I really don't know any mums here that are loving and feeling amazing in early motherhood. I just felt like it was a very common discussion to talk about far out. I'm just so tired. Where has my libido gone? Where has my energy gone? But I can't sleep. And where? why do I have anxiety now? I never used to have that. So, again, possibly a little bit biased, but I was looking around just going, this isn't normal. This isn't right. This isn't how early motherhood is supposed to be. And I started to really think about those early years of mothering and what they do to the rest of our mothering journey. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Super excited. As always, every week I get so pumped and inspired to bring to you some phenomenal people. And this week is no different. Charmaine Newmark is the nourished naturopath, an embodied alchemist, and a teacher of earth, body, and soul wisdom. With a deep passion for reconnecting women to the innate wisdom of our bodies and our world, she just has a real intuitive visual reference for for what life would have been like long before we were told what healthy should be, before the busy and before the technology. Charmaine is definitely one super soul on a mission to change the narratives of challenging times, to empower the next generation of women, and to remind us what it can feel like to live in this modern world yet still remain anchored in the innate way of being, our bodies we're designed to live amongst. Charmaine's own health journey took her on a healing process of the gut and the mind as she navigated recovery from depression, anxiety and chronic fatigue, which she now sees as one of her greatest awakenings and greatest teachings. She has helped open the doors of healing for many women recovering from mental health and gut health challenges and loves to practice the simplicities of healing with plants, energy, and love. Slowing down, breathing open life, and finding safety and joy in the body have been Charmaine's greatest teachers as she navigated the constant growth points of health, relationship, and parenting. This personal journey and wisdom, alongside her training as a nutritionist, naturopath, and embodied healer, have really created a unique way of teaching and leading her family, community, and her clients to greater fulfillment in their own lives through body and soul medicine. I know you are going to love today's podcast, and I know you are going to really want to have a pen and paper for this one, as she gives lots of amazing tips and ideas on how to truly nourish, nurture, and love yourself sick. Please make sure you follow Charmaine on all the links in the show notes. She's a precious soul. And as you can hear in this podcast, she's launching some pretty amazing programs as she gets ready to prepare for the birth of her third child. And don't forget, you can place your comments, thoughts, and feedback on my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or you can go to 28 Essential uh, on Instagram. You can also go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast, where you can have access to all of the amazing self-love podcast shows. I'm hoping like anything, you are enjoying every single one of them as much as I'm loving bringing them to you. And to every single one of you for the five-star rating, the comments, the feedback, and all of your beautiful love, can I just say from my heart to yours, thank you. Enjoy today's show. As you can hear, I am super excited to bring to you an exceptional guest this week, beautiful Charmaine Newmark. She is one hell of a woman, a superwoman, a super mum, and all things in between. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, beautiful girl. Oh, thank you so much, Kim. It's such an honour to be here after I've listened to your podcast for so long and followed your work for such a long time. It feels like a true blessing. It is, it's such a cool thing that we get to meet through our love of the, the health industry, I guess you could say, and our love of women and, and people being at their best. But for people who don't know your story, which is quite profound in itself, would you give us a little brief insight as to who you are, what's led you on the path, and certainly around your, your beautiful health, your, your family, and of course, that delicious husband of yours? 
he is very delicious. Um, a brief. Okay, I'll try and keep it brief because it's definitely been um, from conception <laughs> where all of this began for me. Um, so I'm Charmaine Newmark. I'm the Nourish Naturopath and I love to work with women. I love to work with mental health. I work to love to work with gut health and pregnancy and postnatal depletion um, because really that has been largely the journey um, and my greatest awakening. So my whole life I've sort of um, been interested in just asking a broader question, trying to understand why are we here? What is this all about? This just doesn't quite make sense. Um, also tuning into my body and tuning into my spirituality. But it wasn't really until I was halfway through my naturopathy studies um, that I had a nervous breakdown six years ago. Six years ago, seven years ago now. Um, seven years ago, I had a nervous breakdown and all of this facade which had come up, um, which I'd built up, you know, over the, the first three decades of my life on how I should look and how I should act and how I should feel and what I should like and not like and everything just came sort of crumbling down to the ground and I was trying to raise my daughter and plan a, a wedding and build a home and ticking all of the boxes in which I felt were the boxes of success yet feeling completely empty and miserable about it all. Um, so that has been what I still feel was the catalyst to the biggest awakening of my life and now something which has absolutely become a superpower for me and something that I get to share. So I'm so grateful to be able to share that with the women that come into my space because I can sit there in the darkness with them, I can sit there in the storm with them and I just know that they will get through it. I just know that no matter how big it feels and how scary it feels and how hard it feels, I'm like the beacon of hope that's going, I know, I know you're going to be okay because I walked through that journey so deeply myself. So there was a lot that sort of led up to that experience um, through a number of different layers of trauma and a number of different um, illnesses throughout my family. So I grew up in a in a beautiful, loving family, but everyone is sick. Everyone was struggling with addiction or pain and suffering. And although I could see there was so much love there, there was just so much heartache there. Um, and my beautiful mum, when I was five years old, I was told my beautiful mum had five years left to live. So I essentially went into survivor mode, wanting to fix her and do all the things and make sure she was going to be okay. She was my mom. My dad wasn't around and she was my world. She meant everything to me. So I remember making up concoctions of like, I remember going to the reject shop one day and buying a lavender oil, <laughs> not lavender oil, but at the time I was making her up something and I mixed it in with some herbs I got from the garden and I put it under her pillow to help her sleep. And I knew that if I, if I cleaned the house and opened up all the windows and let fresh air in, that she would come out and she would have a different look about her. She would look lighter and I would feel like I was helping, you know. And I guess that whole time throughout my childhood, although there were some very scary incidences with her being unwell and going to hospital and things like that, I still just had this feeling that it was going to be okay and I still just hung, clung to this feeling that if we can just get the sunshine and we can just get the fresh air and if I could just cook a nice dinner, then maybe she'd be okay. And my mum is still with us today and she's about to turn 60 and we were told she would be lucky to make it to 40 and she's the only woman left in our family. So she's the only survivor from that whole side of my mum's family, yet she was the one who was told all those years ago was not going to make it, you know. Um, and not that I feel like it was my, my work that did that, but it's, I see nothing short of miracles all the time. I see it in my own family. I see it in my mum. I see it in my clients. So it's very easy for me to sit there in a space of just absolute admiration and just trust in knowing that, whatever that hard times is, that it's going to be okay. 
I think it's quite a beautiful insight. Maybe uh, from a very young age, you were going to always be some sort of heretic, some sort of, you know, um, modern day witch, for want of a better word, someone Mm. who loved to create potions. And maybe that's an an innate thing. Do you think that was because of your mum? Or do you think that was already within you and your mum became the platform for that? Yeah, that's such an interesting question. I wonder if that moment sort of opened the door um, because it does feel very innately within me, but it also feels a lot bigger than me. It doesn't feel like it's just within this lifetime. Um, and I've had, you know, I've experienced a few different um, sessions with energy healers or light workers or clairvoyants and three times have mentioned that I've come from, you know, a healing background and I, this is not the first time that I've done healing in this, in this soul. Um, and the three different experiences have taught me, told me that I've got a, a tribe of medicine women around me, so herbal medicine women around me. So I, I feel like it's a little bit bigger than me because it's always felt actually in reality a little bit bigger than me. My human form has tried to go, oh, God, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this work, but I've just always known it's bigger than me. <laughs> I have to get out of my way so I can actually bring these gifts to the world. Oh, it's so true, and I really hope that someone listening to this has a little aha in that message mm. because sometimes the biggest hurdle is ourselves, um, and we cannot question sometimes the universe conspiring, for want of a better word, to put us in these situations. And what a blessing to have your mum still with us, and what a beautiful acknowledgement of the work and the path that you've taken. And it's certainly been an honour for me to watch your journey and to witness your incredible ability to heal and to nurture and nourish other women and I particularly love the fact that you have this bigger than um, been her view on making a difference in the world particularly around things like your expos you've done but also your online education which we'll get to a little bit later which I'd love us to, to cover over but one of the other things you mentioned as you were talking there which I'd really like to go back if you don't mind it was a, it's an interesting word or words postnatal depletion as opposed to the words we all hear all the time, postnatal depression. Could you explain to us, being pregnant yourself, being in this world with your other children and all the things that you're doing with the work that you do, could you explain to us a little bit more about what that is? Because it sounds to me a lot deeper and a lot more um, interesting, if you like, and available for healing when we say the word depletion. Mm. Yeah, I think um, postnatal depletion is something that is just emerging and coming out thanks to some really beautiful um, educators around the space. But it first landed in my sphere um, when I was healing from childbirth of my second Um, and I was very well on my way to what was later diagnosed as chronic fatigue. But what I kind of learnt was the years before that diagnosis, I was sitting in this space of postnatal depletion. Um, which is a very constant, my best way to explain it and what what most people understand is tired but wired. So you're just feeling constantly exhausted irrespective of the baby starts sleeping and you start being able to function. Still constantly exhausted but there's this low-lying discomfort and hum in the body which leaves you feeling really unable to switch off and rest and recover. Um, So that was certainly my experience of postnatal depletion. And when I started to embark on healing from that journey, I'm like, okay, everyone talks about how we can recover from burnout and adrenal fatigue and I can do all these courses about how to heal my body, but how do I do that when I'm also raising and feeding a baby and also juggling a toddler and a household and two businesses? How do I actually make this work? So I went on my own journey of going, okay, I know that, yeah, meditation sounds great and long baths sound great, but in the realities of early motherhood, they can feel like a real challenge. And when you're running your own soul-led business, the moments you get of quiet, inspiration and heart comes to speak and it's like, go do the thing, we're going to do the thing. So it was quite a balance to me. So I um, took myself on a little journey on how I can 
essentially reconnect to the subtle energy of the universe, which was quite slow and cyclical and naturally healing and naturally evolving and growing, also living as a modern mother. So it was really efficient, punchy meditations. So I probably started with doing three-minute meditations every three days, and that was enough to start to break the cycle of not being able to actually stop. Um, and they later turned into yoga nidra meditations where I could lay down next to my baby, feed him to sleep and do a yoga nidra meditation and feel like I've actually had a sleep even though I did, couldn't sleep at the time. Um, and I learned about really what a lot of other countries are still largely doing um, is a postnatal um, sort of diet or protocol of deeply nourishing foods that are going to help your body build and recover from carrying and birthing and breastfeeding a child. So it became something that was a really beautiful part of my journey. Um, and as I looked around at my mother's groups and my friends, I just possibly had a slight perception bias, but I'm like, I really don't know any mums here that are loving and feeling amazing in early motherhood. I just felt like it was a very common discussion to talk about far out. I'm just so tired. Where has my libido gone? Where has my energy gone? But I can't sleep. And where, why do I have anxiety now? I never used to have that. So, again, possibly a little bit biased, but I was looking around just going, this isn't normal. This isn't right. This isn't how early motherhood is supposed to be. And I started to really think about those early years of mothering and what they do to the rest of our mothering journey. And I looked back upon my own experience. So with my first, there was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of postnatal depletion. There was a lot of digestive issues for my baby. We had lots of feeding issues. And those first three years of life, I found really challenging. And that is still to this day, nine years later, something I'm still working through and recovering. So I feel like those first few years of early motherhood really can set the, the theme for the rest of your mothering journey. Yet it's something that you have your baby, you go home and six weeks later the nurse stops coming and the support's gone and we're told that we should go back to exercise after six weeks and we should go back to work after six months and everything should start to return back to normal. But that journey is it at least a three-year journey for your body to heal and recover from childbirth. And it's mostly around that three-year mark that women come knocking on my door and they're like, I don't know where I've been or what my name is or what day it is. I feel like I haven't brushed my hair in three years, but I feel like death warmed up. So I often see the that three-year mark that the women starts to go, like it's almost like they're waking up out of the fog and all of a sudden they've broken, broken out of that survival mode of early motherhood and they've started to see just how depleted they're feeling and they've just built up enough energy to go, oh, God, we need to change this. <laughs> you know, it's like the cortisol runs out and you realise that there's so much to change there. Yeah, so, it's, it's big. We don't actually acknowledge it enough, I don't think. I mean, yeah. growing a baby is massive in itself, let alone birthing and feeding a baby, let alone having other children, husband, partners, mm. households, as you say, businesses. It's actually massive. And yeah. I don't think you're ever yourself the moment you conceive your first child. You're, you're never the same person ever again. If mm. you could look back on that time now, even though now you're pregnant again, if you could look back on your time and your journey in this present moment, what would your today self tell yourself the first time round? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm constantly mothering myself in my third pregnancy, you know, through that, that I guess, essentially grief of the first time round. Um, and the messages that I would have for my first baby self would just be that I already know there was so much that I just felt like I didn't know and there was never enough and the answers came without, like outside of me. But when I look back, there was so much that I was questioning that wasn't right and wasn't natural. 
but I didn't trust myself enough to actually listen to my own inner guidance. Like my baby, I wasn't making much breast milk and I was told that I should feed her every three hours. So that's what I was doing. I was feeding her every three hours and I didn't understand why she was crying in between feeds. So, but when I look back, I'm like, but ah, I was never making enough breast milk, even though I wanted desperately to pick her up and to comfort her. I thought that I shouldn't, you know, there was, there was not a trust in myself and my ability as a mum. And I think that largely comes from possibly a dis- quite a big disconnection from my body prior to childbirth. Um, for a long term, I just kind of lived up in my head and wanted to avoid the discomfort of the feelings within my body um, because there was just too much there. Um, so, yeah, I think that would probably be my, my biggest conversation to have with myself back then is really to trust myself because by the second and now the third time, I really do have that trust and I really feel very comfortable with going, I I know that I'm innately guided through this experience and it is so much bigger than just my experience of childbirth. I'm guided by all of the energy that's guiding us through this, you know, it's innate. I love it. Mm. I think you you also just made a comment then on our disconnect to our body This is something that I'm seeing more and more and more. I mean, we're talking a lot about mental health these days. We're talking a lot about anxiety and depression and all of these things that occur mentally. But I did a a retreat just recently, and when they talked about how we access what they called the quantum or the the zero field energy, to do that, one must really be anchored and connected to the body first and foremost before we evolve through the energy fields and into and past the um, speed of light and all of those levels. And I I find it fascinating, Mm. even if you don't follow this to those of you listening, but to access our highest self, there has to be a real connection and grounding to our physical bodies. Yet we Mm. seem to have this attitude that our body will do whatever it needs We don't seem to have regard for the 50 trillion cells that make up this body. We don't seem to worry about, you know, little symptoms or whispers that can sometimes turn into screams. And if we do, it seems to be a modern day thing to go and get an over-the-counter medication to numb or dumb down those symptoms. Mm. As a naturopath, is this something that's been quite profound for you in these in these last few decades, watching people's disconnect to their physical body and yet seeing what a a machine, a temple, a beautiful vehicle it is. Does that worry you? Yeah, it does. And I actually feel that it seems to be something that's getting a little bit worse than better. Um, As we connect so much more to our devices and our technology and we're essentially fed with how we should be living and what we should be doing, I just see there's we're living in a world where we're told that we're not we're not enough constantly. We're not skinny enough. We're not healthy enough. We don't sleep enough. We don't exercise enough. Um, we don't parent well enough. We don't work well enough. We're not conscious enough. Um, and I think that can instill this really low hum of fight or flight because we're we're fighting an inner battle of not ever being enough. And those feelings of fight or flight put us into our head and disconnect us out of our body. So it feels like even though, even looking back five years ago, I feel like it was possibly an easier thing to allow a woman to enter into meditation. Whereas now I feel like it's a lot harder and that is, I largely think, because we're living chopped off essentially from the neck and living up in the head because of this innate this fight or flight that's sort of happening in our body so it's a really interesting experience for me it was personally probably where my healing took its next level um so I had done so much work on my body so much work on my diet so many supplements so much work on my mind and meditation and my mindset and my thoughts but I did not want to go into my body because it felt scary as heck in there Anytime I would like open the lid, I felt like this volcano was going to come out of my neck 
and spurred up into the world because it felt like there was just so much energy sitting in my body that it was really something I wanted to avoid. I didn't feel safe to go into that landscape um, until I met some really beautiful mentors that allowed me and gifted me some wisdom um, and really taught me how we can breathe safety into entering into the feelings of the body to feel what's in there because if it's in there, it already is part of you. It's not separate to you and it's not going to take over you because it's already living within you anyway. So it felt like I could take the edge off of being this really big scary thing and instead going, well, it's, it feels scary to consciously look at, but subconsciously I'm already aware of it. It's already there living in my body. So I felt a little bit safer going, okay, well, I'm kind of already feeling it anyway, so let's just have a look and see what's there. And I realised it really wasn't as scary as what I thought it was. And it really didn't take as long to shift as what I thought it would. And it has now become a really profound practice for me to enter into my body anytime I'm feeling disconnected, anxious, scared, or anytime I don't know the answers or I'm not sure what my truth is. I could think about it all I want, but the answer comes the moment I get out of my head and connect to my body. That is when soul speaks and heart speaks and my truth really comes through and I'll hear these things come through. My body gets covered in blue, in bliss bumps and I know, I'm like, cool, thank you. That's what I needed and I'm good five minutes later, you know. So it's been a really beautiful practice for me to experience getting to my body and now I practice embodied alchemy and I practice that with my clients. So it's beautiful. Mm, it sounds precious as and just even simple things like going out barefoot on the grass, earthing oh, so onto we're lucky we're right by the beach, um, feeling the fresh air, um, mm. noticing a flower and being really in awe of its beauty and then seeing that same thing in our own bodies. Mm. What would you say to the woman that's looking at herself in the mirror every morning um, maybe trying to avoid looking at herself in the mirror every morning. Um, you and I both know that many women out there don't like what they see and they forget that men actually love them for who they are, not necessarily for how they look. It's their own pressure they're putting on. Mm. What's your thoughts around that body image and around how we can look at ourselves and perhaps what's your advice in order to fall in love with that? Yeah, this has been a huge journey for me as well. Um, and also one that I'm revisiting coming into my third pregnancy and really for the first time being pregnant, just focusing on nourishing my body as opposed to how does it look, you know. I don't want to just focus on how it feels. So I'm meeting those edges as my hips start to grow, my breasts start to grow and everything starts to grow and I catch myself in the mirror. I'm like, oh, this is different. But I have a few things and what I come back to and coach myself and mother myself back to is first thing is I have a mirror in my bedroom. It's a beautiful round mirror and that is my self-love mirror. So there's no nasty words are allowed to be said in that mirror. I can come into that and I can catch myself naked and go, oh, and then I am catch myself and say no. We're going to intentionally look for something beautiful that you can adore in your body. And it's an instant energy shift to me. It instantly changes the mood. But I had to bring myself into that practice. So when I first started that practice, I had a sticky note up on my mirror and it said self-love mirror. So that would prompt me every time I would look into the mirror to look for something that I adore or to love harder. And the next stage that I'm working through in my third pregnancy really is unconditional love for myself because what I'm noticing in the realms of social media and thanks to Facebook algorithms that what you look at is what you see right so I'm seeing a lot of adverts pop up about pregnancy and maternity clothes and all of these beautiful women like running in their pregnancy tights and their pregnancy crop tops and we're looking really different. I'm <laughs> looking very different to the woman that's on those ads. And not that she doesn't look absolutely amazing. They all look amazing. But the reality is we all look incredibly different during pregnancy and in our bodies. 
all of us, yet we're all trying to aspire to be this one shape or this one size or this one person. And when I look upon my body with conditional love and I say, I will love you as long as you look like this, I really can't help but think what that does to my external way of loving. If I'm conditionally loving upon myself and saying, I will only love you in this colour, this shape, this shade, if you're doing these things, then I can't help but think what, in what way is that limiting my capacity to love wider those outside of me? Sorry, husband, but I'll only love you when you go to the gym. Sorry, daughter, but I'll only love you when you brush your hair, you know? So I use that as a way to reflect back to myself. If I'm conditionally loving myself and that's limiting my ability to love others, well, how can I love myself wider? and therefore grow my ability to love other people in all of it. So that's been my biggest practice this pregnancy and it's been a really beautiful journey to go on. Mm, I hope so that made beautiful. a bit of sense. Absolutely. I love it so much. Mm. And, you know, we're talking a little bit here and really delving into the topic of self-love and it's something that you're very big on and and mm. reason why I love the work that you do. What is your definition of self-love? How do you see this beautiful realm of possibility for each of us for ourselves yeah I think it's one that continues to grow as I grow and evolve um and I guess my really my practice of self-love is continuously honoring this existence and this reality and stepping back and looking at the absolute divine miracle it is that we are actually here having this conversation, living in this body bag of this magic and without even trying, my heart is beating and without even trying, my blood is pumping and without even trying, I'm growing a baby. Like I can't help but absolutely adore that and my my work and my return to myself, my reconnection to myself has largely been a journey of adornment for myself and honouring my body and honouring even those parts of myself that I wouldn't necessarily say I like, but how can I honour and love them for what they are? So it feels like it has been, self-love for me has been loving all colours of myself and seeing that even those parts and those traits of myself that I'm like, oh, that's not really that funky that I can still look upon that part of myself and still love it anyway. So if I have a trait where I love to be in control, yeah, I can find myself in there and I could either judge myself for that and be like, oh, you're doing that thing again where you want to be in control again and you're so crap for doing that and blah, 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 and I can really shame and berate myself for that or I can choose self-love and I can see like, hey, babe, I can see you're doing that thing where you're really fixating on control. And I can see how that has really guided you and protected you for the last three decades. And you've used that to the best of your ability. And then I get to choose from that place if I want to continue that pattern. So it feels like radical self-love for all of the parts of myself that I don't necessarily like, but seeing how essentially we're all just trying to survive, right? I've chosen those traits and I've chosen those things to protect myself and to survive in this world. So loving them as opposed to shaming them and bringing them into the light. Yeah, that would be my definition. Uh, magic, magic, magic. I, um, I'm really curious as a mother of a, a young boy and a young girl, and I'm not sure if you know what your third child's going to be. I imagine not. Um, I'm really curious as to the messages, the the tools, the techniques, the information that you think is so important to share with them in this day and age. Maybe it was something you lacked. Maybe it's something that you've had. What would your advice to all mums out there be around the power of self-love and in loving who you are to your children? How do you get that in them from a young age? Oh, that's such a beautiful conversation. I just got covered in goosebumps with that. Um, 
I, I'm very open with my children about my practices and my experiences. Um, and I also don't separate them and feel like I need to mother or set choose self. Um, so very often I'll be down on the ground. I'll have my candles going. I'll have my oils on. I'll have my music going. I'll have my fluffy rug that I like to massage as I'm getting into my body. And my son will come in and he'll sit on my lap and I'll bring him into that practice with me of reconnecting and honouring my body as opposed to stopping and going, I can't do this while someone else is around. I actually invite them to come into that space if they do that because I know there's absolute, it's magnetic, that energy. When a woman's in that energy of connected to her body, it is magnetic. So I invite them into that space because I hope that what that does is it gives them a little bit of a blueprint of what it feels like to experience that. And that becomes a normal thing to see and experience a woman adoring her body and a woman being in her body and a woman who will absolutely sit on the lounge with her cup of tea when she's hit capacity and say, no, I'm not getting up to do that thing for you. I love you, but I can't. And I'm choosing to sit here and I'm choosing to say no because that's honouring my boundaries and myself but also gives them the permission to honour their boundaries and themselves. And in saying that, challenges come up with that. Like I've taught my children to honour their boundaries and honour themselves, right? There are sometimes that gets thrown back in my face and it drives me nuts as a parent. I'm like, oh, why are you so stubborn in your boundary? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> because I've actually gifted that to them. And I would love to think that by leading as an example and not feeling like self-love and self-care only comes when I go out to a day spa or when I go out with my girlfriends, that it gets to be part of my everyday world, that I get to share that with them and that gets to be how they expect their parenting journey to be, you know? Yeah. Do you do any rituals with them specifically that they're included in or is there anything you guys do as a family that embraces that further or enhances those feelings? Do you know? I think it comes and goes. It seems to come and go. Um, I know when Charlie was younger, we used to sit and we'd do cards together. Um, With Sage, we're very often in embodiment practices together. Me and Charlie will often do yoga together. Um, But I think really... I guess it's not so much a form of a ritual, but our very open communication and conversation about things that we feel like we didn't love about how we acted. So I take massive responsibility for my actions. And when I'm acting out of fear or out of pain and I'm reacting to my children, I will always come back to them. I'll put on the Disney, um, what's it called? The Disney lullabies. I'll put on my oils. I'll turn off the lights, we'll put on the salt lamps and we lay in bed and we talk, you know. We talk about what happened. We talk about how we got to that point of eruption and then how we can repair it. So that's, I guess, a little bit of a ritual in itself. But I flow, I ebb and flow a lot with my rituals depending on what feels good because I just guide myself by what feels good in the moment. So they change quite a lot. I love it. I love it. And I think it's so important because we all know, particularly those of us who are mums and businesswomen, that there is no such thing as, um, I guess, you know, maybe work-life balance or everything working out perfectly. And I, I really think that the ebb and flow and being adaptable, flexible, and also being aware that we can pivot at any moment and yeah. have the tools and resources and resilience to do that is mm. something that I've certainly wished for my children. And hopefully they've learned from me by, as you say, being the example, not the evangelist, telling them what to do, but not living it. Yeah. Let's talk about your beautiful hubby. Let's talk yeah. about this because, you know, a lot of people out there, they've got a relationship that maybe they wish could be better or maybe they're considering trading them in or better still, they've got someone that's amazing but maybe taking it for granted. You and your husband have something very special. It's, it's something I see in you and maybe that's because it's a reflection for what I feel so blessed to have. How have you savoured that relationship and how have you brought that delicious hunk of spunk into your realm or have you grown together in this way? <laughs> it's such an interesting conversation to go into because 
before I met my husband 10 years ago, uh, sorry, no, I was 20, 20, I think. So yeah, about 15 years ago, um, we were, he was my boss and we were work like really good workmates. I used to call him my brother and we just used to have the best time and work was always super fun. And he was a great boss and he was always guiding me and, I always felt really supported by him. So we started as friends and I never wanted to get married. I also never wanted to have kids. I wanted to be a successful career woman. And at the time I wanted to be a hospitality manager, whatever that means. (laughs) Essentially my biggest love language is service. I love to serve and I always have. So I didn't have relationship on my radar at all until I found, Josh had separated from his partner and something started to shift in our friendship and it very quickly started to blossom into this full-blown work affair. And there was so much resistance there, Kim, because I was like, no, we can't, I couldn't, but my heart was like, oh, my God, this feels so good. And it felt like I was in relationship with myself. I was like, this is too easy. I think relationship is hard. This actually feels really easy and effortless. So I felt drawn to go deeper, even though my fears were like, "Uh uh-uh, get out, relationship's hard because there's not a single person in my family that is still happily married. There is many of my friendships that have divorced and I've come from a generation of women who largely emasculated men because of the pain, you know, they're protecting their heart. So I didn't have a blueprint on what relationship could look like other than what I saw in Disney and that was a movie, that wasn't real. So I remember once laying on his floor in the lounge room and he was asleep and I was doing this like um, heart chakra meditation totally had no idea what I was doing but going please I want to love I want to feel like I can love and not just have to run out of here and I'm like okay I felt safe enough to feel like I could give this thing that I was always told was so hard a good hot go so then I really just enjoyed our relationship for the next however many years eight years or so um and we got married and we had Charlie and then when I had my nervous breakdown seven years ago I told my husband that I wasn't happy and essentially it was over. And by the end of the day, we had decided to separate. And that was when all of those pieces that I spoke about before came crumbling down to the floor. And um, it was heartbreak like I can't explain. And within 24 hours, he was there going, we can make this work. And I'm like, can we? Because I'm stuck in fear right now and my fear doesn't tell me that we can. And he's always been this beautiful beacon of hope because he's got such a high value on relationship that no matter where I've gone in my darkness and my fear and my fear of commitment because it all gets taken away, he's been able to equilibrate me and we've been able to go from me going, oh, relationships don't work, him going, relationship is my most important thing. We've been able to come into this middle ground where now relationship is one of my highest values. But in saying that, I will say it is one of my highest values, which therefore I know I will meet my greatest challenge. The things that are most deeply important to us are where we will grow the most. And I would absolutely not at all change it for the world because every single time I move through a way of loving harder and opening up my heart more, the joy and the abundance and the healing that that brings into my whole world is nothing short of a miracle. It feels phenomenal. So I can't thank this man enough for being that beacon and going, hey, baby, why don't we just give this a go? Because I probably would have run the other way. (laughs) I don't know how many relationships come to an end because of that, Yeah, because of that thing that you're saying of fear. It's a fascinating topic and something that I'm sure affects our biochemistry and our physiology Mm. constantly is this thing called fear. 
so many people I meet are afraid to love, either because they've been hurt in the past or they've never seen, as you say, someone role modeling it. They don't have any um, boundary as to what that could possibly look like. How do you think the world is shaping up, knowing that one in three marriages end in divorce? Um, affairs are bigger than ever in this day and age, apparently, according to statistics. I'm a marriage celebrant, so I'm around this a lot. And I have a true love and belief and um, deep desire that love endures all things and love is the answer to all. What is your thoughts around this, particularly from a naturopathic point of view, where those things called fears affect us so wholeheartedly that we can't even... We can't even make clear decisions, let alone see the wood for the trees. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? It's it's so huge. And the the impact that fear has on our life and the things that we don't do, even though we truly want to because we're so scared to. Um, but a very common conversation I have with my clients is if time was of no essence, if there was no such thing as money, if there was no such thing as having the energy to, if there was no limiting beliefs and fears running in the background, put your hand on your heart and connect to what it is that you actually want, what it is that you actually desire. Because if you desire it, you can have it and it's yours. And that is absolutely my biggest guidance because in those times where my fear was telling me to run the other way and my heart was like, please, I just want to love you harder. I chose my heart and that's why we're still here. That's why we're still together and we're about to embark on having our third baby. So I continuously come back to heart's guidance and I continuously come back to, but what if I could just have that one thing? That is my guidance. My desire is absolutely my guidance. Um, There was a long time, probably only until the last five years, that fear was absolutely running the show. Um, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being enough, working my ass off to get to the top because what would happen if I didn't, if I wasn't perceived that way, fear of not being a good enough mother. But really what I've learned is I can drop all of that fear by simply placing my hand on my heart and going, well, what is it I want, like truly want? And when you think of that thing that you want and your whole body sings, And it feels like medicine for your body. And it's like, oh, my God, yes. That is the most miraculous, incredible medicine you could gift anyone. I could give you all the herbs, all the supplements, all the dietary changes, all of the things. But if I can connect you to your heart's desires and you can feel what that feels like in your body to feel desire and love, that is the gift that's going to heal the world. You know, I know you totally feel that too. <laughs> so speaking <laughs> my language, I just, I remember one of my um, teacher trainers speaking, teaching me how to speak, always said to me, um, one of the greatest things you could do as a speaker or a teacher or a healer is to fill their hearts before their heads. Yeah. Allow us to connect into that heart space. Allow us to really journey into that place where we get to question it on a whole new realm. And I've always said if I could wave a magic wand, how would this look? If time and money were no issue, how would you feel? And I think same, same, and I just love the fact. And then I go after the healing or the physicality of what it is that we're working on. But my goodness, those limiting beliefs and fears that could have derived at an unconscious level even before Mm. we were born Mm. is one of the biggest blockages that we may not even consciously have an awareness around, which is why I love the work that you do. Could you talk to us a little bit about what you do offer people and how you work with people? Because I think there'll be some beautiful souls listening to this going, I so want more of her. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I work in a few different ways. So I work in the most divine practice um, here in Camden alongside some of like just I'm just so blessed where I where I practice at the moment because I work alongside just the most beautiful people and we all are speaking that language you know we're all speaking a similar dialogue and empowering our clients so I do practice as a naturopath a nutritionist and an embodied alchemist in face-to-face clinic in Camden Um, I also do that online as well and I have and 
a number of online programs coming through me at the moment because I'm pregnant with a very creative being and I cannot keep up with them all. Um, so I have a membership, an online membership for mothers um, where really we just get to have these beautiful conversations on a weekly basis. Um, and I'm just about to embark on Open, which is my pregnancy program, online program, which will be finished with a face-to-face in-person pregnancy retreat here in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales. Beautiful place. Um, and then I've also got my collaboration of the Camden Wellness Expo. So the Camden Wellness Expo is a beautiful event, which again was just a divine download about four years ago. Um, of going, we have some really incredible practitioners in this area and I need to tell that, like I need to share that message with the community. So I reached out to some of them. I'm like, how do you guys feel about coming together? We'll do a wellness event. And that small event that I had in my mind very quickly became quite a large annual event with around 50 um, practitioners in the local area and some incredible special guests like Kim Morrison was there last year. And it's just a beautiful day of connecting wellness to the community and what I hope gets to create that ripple effect in the community that there is so much love and support here um, and there is so much guidance and hope that it doesn't matter what you're going through or how hard it is that there is a tribe of people that can guide you to the other side of it. So that's my where I'm working, what I'm doing at the moment. So it's feeling very good. It's feeling very aligned. And we'll see what else comes through over the next few months before I birth in October. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating how much we create or want to create when we're pregnant? I find the whole birthing metaphor incredible, particularly for women and you know, listening to a number of podcasts lately, um, hearing from an energetic point of view, that feminine energy, that real mm. trust in the creativity and expansion of love and light is one of the most powerful tools. And mm. if you yourself aren't pregnant or you um, haven't had children or maybe can't have children, one of the most beautiful things I've seen is to be around pregnant women and to be around that energy. And I think we can all tap into it when we are open to the possibility of that, not just closing it because we can't. What do you think is the next step for beautiful Charmaine? What do you think is, apart from all these things that you're birthing, which I will put in the show notes for everybody, but what do you think it is? Where do you want to see the world going uh, as you raise these three beautiful children? Mm, I have a um, a very complete trust and surrender this time around in my pregnancy because I know baby number one and number two, I always had this idea of what it would look like on the other side and it never looked like that. <laughs> so I have for the first time in my life completely let go and surrendered and trusted that what's on the other side of birthing this baby I know will be nothing short of miraculous that I know to be true. But what it actually is, I have no idea. Um, But it feels really beautiful for it to be a complete surrender. Um, And I feel really excited to birth again um, because I know I'm going to just be taking myself through the ultimate surrender, which is letting go of myself and allowing my baby to come through my body. You know, there's no greater surrender for me. So what's on the other side feels like it will be deeply purposeful and impactful. (laughs) I hope it is about, I'm sure it will be around the work of women and connecting women to their bodies and allowing these conversations of heart-led guidance and pleasure running through your body and innate healing coming through your body effortlessly. Um, I know that would be largely a a large component of it, but exactly how that looks, we will have to trust and wait and see. (laughs) I think it's really beautiful. I remember interviewing and hearing beautiful Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride speak, Mm. who wrote the book um, Gut and Psychology Syndrome with the GAPS Protocol. And one of the things she said in order to heal this nation, in order to heal our families, is that women, um, and she wasn't saying it in a sexist way, but for women or all of us to get back in the kitchen, 
um, make meals from scratch, use things from nature, understand the power and healing of plants, realize our potential and connection and synergistic cyclic um, attraction to nature. And I just would love to ask you as a naturopath, um, food, they say, is your medicine. Um, Some people would say it shouldn't be seen as medicine. It's just our beautiful fuel. How do you see that for women that are busy, that don't seem to think they have time to cook? How important is it to you to nourish these beautiful vehicles we call our body? Oh, for me, it was hands down. One of my greatest healings was when I actually did the GAPS protocol for six months because I felt like I had done so much ninja work on my mind and my mindset and elevating my consciousness. And that felt really beautiful. But I felt like I was dragging my body along like, come on, keep up with me. I've got these things to do. I've got mountains to move. And my body was like, I can't, I'm too tired. So the GAPS protocol was the first protocol really, which opened my energy so much that I was only going on it for four weeks and I stayed on it for six months because it just felt so good. And really what it connected me to was that innate health that already exists within us when we eat in accordance and in alignment with what was already here before industry took over and really what I remember so often I'm a very visual person right so I get a lot of my intuitive downloads not from my learnings but actually from intuitive intuitive visions that come through to me And I remember as I would sit there, I'd be making my broths and I would be making my soups and I would be making my things. I would have visions of of women before me that would be out, they would be collecting the weeds and they'd be collecting the flowers and they would be out digging the tubers with their bare hands. And I had so many visions of what I feel like it would have looked for my ancestors to feed and nourish their bodies. And that is still what's some of my greatest guidance because I, as a nutritionist, I get taught lots of stuff, you know. I'm taught about the latest supplements and I'm taught about the latest research and the latest studies and I really sit back and I connect to that intuition and I decide from there whether that feels like a truth in my body or not. And it has been a 12-year journey to get to where I am now where I would say 90% of the time I'm eating a really beautiful, nourishing, homemade, cooked with absolute love diet for myself. And when I go out, I just eat for pleasure and whatever that looks like, it looks like. But it's become something that really I don't find hard at all. I'm not in the kitchen all day, yet I still eat largely food made from scratch by myself. Um, my children eat the same things. I'm not preparing 8 million different meals for 8 million different people. And I feel really blessed with the, with the way that I nourish my body because I have found a way that nourishes my body that feels really good for me. That was not what everyone told me it would feel like, like the way that I should eat. I chose a way that felt good for me and that felt like medicine to eat that way. And I had gone okay I'm really committed to how good this makes my body feel I'm going to make a way and find a way that I can make this work in my world as a busy mum as a business owner as an event runner of all the things this is important enough to me because I actually don't want to feel like I'm dragging my body around I want to feel abundant I want to feel alive I want to feel great each day so it became really important for me to spend that money on the Thermomix and to buy the juicer that was a little bit quicker than the other one, you know, because I prioritised it because it made such a difference to my whole energy. I think it's the most profound gift we can give to our families, not only the presence and and the real connection to our body and just its magnificence, its magic, its incredible awe and wonder of what it actually does. I mean, I always say to people, are you thinking about your little left nail growing right this minute? Are you concerned that your, you know, your right toe is very conscious of balance and all the proprioceptive nerve endings? I just think the body is remarkable and yet we seem to abuse it often, not only physically with a lack of care what we put into it and onto it with chemicals and all sorts of things 
but of course also what we feed our minds. As we come to the close of this beautiful conversation, knowing that this is the self-love podcast, knowing that some people might hear the word self-love and think it's really naff and not for them and all woohoo and all out there, but I'm finding the more and more downloads I get with this podcast and the more and more people that reach out to me, they're realizing that love is the foundation, the platform for all healing and for all acceptance and all beauty and magnificence. What would be your message to the beautiful soul on the end of their um I don't know, their headphones, their computer, listening to your beautiful voice, what would be the message you'd give to the the self-love listener? Yeah, well, I guess what I would love them really to consider is that love is our truth, that help is our truth. It's not something that is outside of us that we need to find in a bottle or that we need to find in a partner, that we are help, we are love. It's the truest form and it's why we long for it so much. It's why we quest for it so much because it's our innate truth. It's not something that we need to bring in from others. If anything, others just simply get to amplify and enjoy it all with us. So it's totally our truth and I think that's why it's such a quest for so many people. Mm, I completely agree. And certainly some those two things, interestingly enough, you actually can't put a price on and you could never pay someone all the money in the world to get their health back if they were losing it. So it's it's two things we seem to be fearful of and yet don't respect enough in many respects and then wish like crazy. I've heard of a number of people. I've had the privilege of of doing uh, funeral services as well and, you know, a lot of them say they wish... They wish they had loved more, played more, and had honoured their health more. So I find mm. that pretty fascinating. Mm, Just as we close, sweetheart, um, what is one of your favourite quotes right this moment? Oh, uh, my biggest one as I prepare for childbirth again is, it is not bigger than you, it is you. Mm. Say it again. It's not bigger than you, it is you. Mm-hmm. Those things that you feel like, will swallow you whole because they're so painful or that contraction that feels like it's going to break you or the pleasure which feels like it's so big that it might crack your heart open. It's actually all you. It's not outside of us. It comes from within our body, you know. So it can feel so much bigger than us, but it's not. It is us. What a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much for being with me today. I'm so excited to have you as a guest in my self-love and wellness mentorship program coming up. It's a beautiful topic that we will be sharing in that group. But also I'd love for you to just, for people to follow you, Charmaine, how could we best follow you or find out about these beautiful programs and information that you're offering? Yeah, thank you. So on social media, we've got Instagram, I'm charmaine.newmark.nourished. And I'll share a lot of my programs as they come through on that space. And you can sign up to my newsletter at charmainenewmark.com. I've got a really beautiful, uh, as I said, open my pregnancy program that's coming up. And for any of the self-love listeners, if you type in the code self-love, you'll get a free week of one-on-one mentoring with me alongside that pregnancy program because I love one-on-one 24-7 mentoring because I find it really transformative. Um, so I'd love to be able to gift that to people. Um, and where else? I think that's it. Facebook. Oh yeah, Facebook. Facebook. I'm at Eco Mama. I don't know how to change it. I know. E C O M U M M A on Facebook. That's right. Yeah. And as far as the open program coming up, when does that start? So I'm going to kick that off on the 23rd of June. 23rd of June 2021, if you're listening to this later. Yep. Yeah, so 23rd of June, the day after my birthday, feels very pertinent. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really breathing open our bodies, our mind, our consciousness, our awareness, and nourishing you as a mother and a woman through the process of pregnancy, birth, and breastfeeding. So mm-hmm. it feels yeah. like, yeah, I, it feels like such a um, a gift to have come into my consciousness and it was a, just like a really beautiful program to be able to share with the women. 
and so needed. It's almost like the red tent. It's almost like the yeah. tribal ancestral yeah. times of when Actually, we yeah, go in. So what I'd love it to be. And have those beautiful conversations with yeah. our elders and women that had been there, done that. The gift of connection and communication like that is just, we're so blessed if we can tap back into that. Absolutely. Um, and just one last question, the Camden Wellness Expo for 2021. Yeah. When will yes, that that's on the 8th of August at Camden Civic Centre in Camden. Um, and it's a day of connection, inspiration, education, um, connecting with the area's wellness practitioners um, and wellness retailers. Uh, and there'll be some really beautiful seminars as well. So yeah, you can find all of the links for that on my social pages too. Yes, and I'll put them in the show notes. Um, just Thank finally, you. just in case someone doesn't know where Camden is, could oh, you yeah. explain to us where it is? Uh, so Camden is about an hour south of Sydney um, and the Southern Highlands where I'm holding the retreat, uh, pregnancy retreat, is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. So all accessible by public transport if you want to come from interstate or if you're in Sydney region, come for a drive out. It's a beautiful place. Well, I, I love it dearly. My brother lives there with his wife and my mum lives there in Camden. So I have a very big soft spot for that part of the world. It's a beautiful town, if that's what you'd call it, and certainly has a lovely vibe and energy. So I was very grateful to be with you last year, just as the whole world came to a, a grinding yeah. halt. We were the last ones to do an event just before the doors closed on us. So what an honour to have got through this and come out the other side and been able to present it again this year, right? Yeah, it really feels like that. It feels like such a gift to be able to gather together again. Yeah. If ever there was a time for us to come together, it is certainly now. So if you're interested, you. follow the beautiful Charmaine Newmark on all her social media platforms. Um, and if you can't get to any of her live events, then do know that she does do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I'm sure once she's had this beautiful baby, she'll be back on deck at some point after she's yeah. gone through the ebb and flow of when that time is right. But, um, but certainly follow her. She's got some great tips and advice, which I really respect and appreciate. So from my heart to yours, beautiful Charmaine, thank you for being on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. It's just been such a beautiful conversation. Really appreciate it. Love you dearly, darling. Thank you. Love you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.